Good evening, Patriots. And it's Friday, September 2nd. In the East Coast, you've already hit September 3rd. And since I'm in Central Time, I'm going to be there pretty quick with everybody else. It's different being on these Central and Eastern times. I'm like, man, these are late hours. I'm used to doing a show at 9, not 11. And then then it's going to be midnight. It's like, man, I'll tell you. But that's okay. I get to live like the other half, so to speak. Patriots, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. Best products on the market come from MyPillow. The best pillows on the market come from MyPillow. And you can find those at MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, promo code Bards. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and my employees and I want to thank each and every one of you for your support by bringing you the MyPillow that started it all. MyPillow's patented fill adjusts to your exact individual needs regardless of your sleep position. Because it works, we've sold over 70 million MyPillows, and now I'm bringing it to you for the lowest price ever. For example, you get my standard MyPillow, now only $19.88 with your promo code. Now's the time to get them for your friends, your family, your neighbors, everyone you know. MyPillows make the best gifts ever. In the times we're in, one thing we all need is getting a great night's sleep. So go to MyPillow.com or call that number on your screen now. Use your promo code and you'll get my standard MyPillow for only $19.88. For a more custom fit, my Premium Queen, only $24.98. Or my Premium King, only $29.98. This is a limited time offer, so order now. That's MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Promo code BARDS, and the savings are all yours. Just check it out. It's fantastic. You know, I mentioned earlier on the, in the previous show, just watching people. So I was out at an outdoor festival, a first Friday event in Florence, Alabama tonight. And it's kind of a bizarre experience as you watch so many people just kind of meander around like, Nothing is wrong and nothing has happened. You have those occasional mask wearers and you've got a whole lot of people just milling about and it's very much as if everything is okay. And there's a looming, looming disaster hanging on this horizon. 
the statistics that we played earlier, 13.4 million families or households are facing forfeiture, foreclosure, or are owe back rent. 39% of those are facing eviction in the next two months. Those are unbelievable numbers. Do you have a hand puppet of a president who's threatening 80 million plus people designating them as domestic terrorists as a threat to democracy. A threat to democracy is means that they're to use those words correctly means that they are these are the people that are ultimately going to cause a complete meltdown of the nation. Of course we know it's a lie, but they're framing that argument. And then we have the entire media apparatus, which is on full swing, doing its normal thing. But there's a stunning part of this is to ask yourself, really, is like, are all the media bad or are they just a product of this new era? I want you to hear this piece by Carrie Lake. And then we'll continue with that thought. Biden is dividing the country, but do you feel like Donald Trump is doing the same by falsely telling people that he won that election when he lost it? How does that divide the country? Questioning, questioning an election where there are obviously problems is, is dividing the country? Since when can we not ask questions about our elections? As a journalist for many years, I was a journalist after 2016, and I distinctly remember many people just like you asking a lot of questions about the 2016 election results. And nobody tried to shut you up. Nobody tried to tell Hillary Clinton to shut up. Nobody tried to tell Kamala Harris when she was questioning the legitimacy of these electronic voting machines to stop. We're, we have freedom of speech in this country, and you of all people should appreciate that. You're supposedly a journalist. You should appreciate that. So I don't see how asking questions about an election where there are many problems is dividing a country. What I do see dividing a country is shutting people down, censoring people, canceling people, trying to destroy people's lives when they do ask questions. Last I heard, we still have the Constitution. It's hanging by a thread, thanks to some of the work some people in this area have done. But we're going to save that Constitution, and we're going to bring back freedom of speech. And maybe someday you'll thank us for that. Gary, what? It's interesting because if you've talked to any liberals, there is a belief that censorship and that the state of the union is developed and secured by stopping people from speaking about things freely. And this isn't a small issue. It may not be the majority of the people, but this way of thinking is there. Now we fought a, heck of a fight when this vax came out and i started and you know if you'd followed me i was saying if you wear the mask you'll get the vax and i think to a large degree that proved true because people that were compliant with one was were compliant with the next and we've gone through quite a struggle to wake people up and there has been an, an amazing awakening in this process over the last two years in the seeking and love of Christ. But there's a common theme, at least on this channel, and that is that 
the connection, the correlation between the loving and seeking of Christ is directly related or associated with the amount of suffering people have had to go through for standing on truth. And it isn't to say that everybody that listens to this channel didn't take the vax, but I will tell you that there's a large percentage of them that did not. Or if they did, they woke up to what's going on. But the problem is that for all of those who have suffered through it, we've witnessed the other side. And the other side has developed a rationale that if you do not follow the entire obedience of their thinking, you need to be punished. Now, this is a pretty radical thing in the eyes of God. And I've given this a lot of reflection today because I will tell you, and this is what I feel, and this is what is showing to me in prayers. So I just, I pass it on here tonight. We are here because, ultimately, because God's Son, Jesus, was sacrificed for us. And it, I've said this in many forms, but it's important, I think, for us to really reframe this. The typical narrative is that we were saved, God chose us and showed mercy on us, but we're sinners, and so Christ was sacrificed to absorb our sins. I, that part's true, but what's missed in that narrative is that sacrifice was done because God chose to save his greatest creation, which was us. We've been given dominion over all the evil. We've been given dominion over all things on earth. But think about that for a minute, how few people believe that, act like that, or live that way. In the last couple of years, there has been a tremendous level of spiritual warfare in our life. Much of it we've been on the fringe of, but there's been real warfare. And there's been real sacrifices that have been made from heaven for our behalf. And as I sat there today and I watched this milling about, and I watched the news trends of the youth, more of the same garbage of ripped jeans with tattoos underneath, face paint to make them look like cats, the plastic cups in hand, walking around, drinking, getting drunk. I'm looking at this and I'm asking myself, Lord, what's become of us? A people that were of royal blood that had dominion are now so lost that we're turning our back not only on God, but we're turning our back on our on the royalty and inheritance which was ours to have. I don't see these things as small items. Nor do I think that God sees them that way either. There is a shaking in heaven going on right now, trying to wake us up. And there's pleas and there's tears and there's frustrations of watching God's children suicide themselves. And that voice of the remnant is becoming ever more important. 
to keep banging the drums and it's being seen. But here's the thing is that even for us, the intensity of what's coming out of heaven is nowhere near that which is being sacrificed for us again to save us, to save us from ourselves. And that's the sickening part. Imagine each one of us being born with the ability to be a world-class athlete. And no matter what we do, no matter, all we have to do is put our heart to it and we're there. It's, it would be built within our DNA. A society where the people, the children of God, were gold medal winners, no matter how they tried. All they had to do was apply themselves. That's essentially who we are. We're, we're the gold medal winners of God's creation. But instead, we chose just to spit on it and walk away. And that's essentially what we're doing as a society. And that's what really struck me today as I watched this. I was like, man, here we are thinking that new normal is translated, the normal is translated by the same garbage we used to do before, only this time it's, you know, we've done, we're doing it with an injection in our body. There's some real dark, dark sides to this injection. And we haven't even seen the worst of it yet. And we haven't because it's not being reported. It's back to that journalist thing. They're willing to question someone like President Trump for questioning the veracity of the elections. And yet, they're perpetuating the lie that people are dying by mysterious diseases or illnesses, but they have no explanation why. There's a friend of the family right now who's been sick for months with the, with the injection, post-injection consequences, has been in the hospital for three weeks with a lung infection. Today it was notified, the hospital notified the family that she'll be on a ventilator and they're not sure she'll come off. Well, we know the answer to that. She won't come off. She'll be dead in seven days. We're in the dark ages of medicine. People obedient just like that journalist, obedient to not questioning anything, obedient to not thinking, obedient to a spell, almost like a magic spell that says, don't be God's child, be a drone for me, which would be Satan. It's a very big tragedy in our world. A tragedy that's so profound that the greatest creation of the universe is making a decision to extinct itself through the obedience to fear and the obedience to a godless world. Could you imagine being one of God's angels and witnessing this. Could you imagine being one of God's angels that you longed to be, to see God's creation evolve? You might even imagine what it would be like to be human because we're so prized by God. 
that you serve God to protect humans. And yet, you watch this species literally put a gun to its head and pull the trigger. This is the world we're in. And it's a world that's centered around a religion of me. It's a world that's centered around a lack of knowledge or wisdom by choice to agree to a narrative of obedience and to never seek God. And if you do, make sure it's casual. Make sure that you cruise on into that Sunday pew, do your little prayer ritual, get yourself cleaned up again so then if through the rest of the week you can go back and being the same turd that you were the last week, knowing that every Sunday it's wash, rinse, repeat. A world where there is no accountability. That's not God's world. That's Satan's world. And it has to be, in a certain way, torturous, I would use a term, or maybe just massively painful to God to watch his greatest creation willfully destroy itself. We always talk about the idea that God is trying to bring as many home and that he will, and I agree with that, except we also forget that there is such a thing as wrath. Imagine being in Noah's Ark with the door shut and the rains beginning. Imagine the screams of those trying to get on board now when they realized that the floods were real, that all that Noah had been talking about, that crazy old man building that ark, wasn't a joke. They want in the floodwaters rising. In whatever form that flood takes, we're back there again. And there's so many that are out here that we're trying to wake up that just aren't wanting to wake up. It's like we're shaking them and we're saying, wake up, and they're telling us, no, man, I'm in a great place. I'm loving this dream. I can't imagine again just the magnitude of being a servant to God and witnessing that and knowing that Father is suffering that pain of watching his children destroy themselves. And so I say this because there is an accountability in life. Our nation is not the hub of greatness. Our nation is the hub of where most of the evil of the world came from. Sad but true. That doesn't speak to the willingness to give or the love and compassion that comes from the people, but it is the government. And we are at a point where nations will be and are being judged. And we're there. I've had to let go of the idea that we're going to come out of this thing as one nation unified under God because we're not even a nation of God anymore. We have good people. We have good godly people, but the overall structure of the nation has left God on the sidelines, in the trenches. These are the sorts of things when you sit back and think about it, it, it makes your heart just hurt. 
And it's coast to coast. I can tell you that. People would rather get drunk than they would pray. People would rather talk about God rather than seek an intimate relationship with him. It's more fun to have a potluck after church than to really be accountable to the sermon that's given or the words of God that are shared. And then you have this silliness in church of the idea that somehow we're going to go to heaven and we're going to find everybody and it's all going to be good and we're going to be reunited and all of our lost ones will come together and there we will be as one happy and celebrating and walking on gold streets. And I just, I, I hear these things and I've heard this sort of story so many times. I always just want to look over, and, and I have actually. It's like, where in the Bible does it show you that? Where in the Bible does it telling you that everything's going to be okay? Especially now. And where in the Bible does it say that you accept Christ and you no longer have any responsibility here on earth other than to mark time and wait till you're dead? You see, these sort of distortions that have happened at the pulpit have left us with a lack of fire and a lack of intensity and a lack of passion and fervor for what God gave us. You know, think back to when you got your first bicycle. I remember mine. I started my first bicycle, and it's actually my second bicycle that's the important one. My first bicycle was, boy, was that a good bike to learn on. My dad got it for me. It was a red bike. It had solid rubber wheels or tires. I'm sorry. So that and they were it was a used used ones when they were a little bit cracked at certain points, but it didn't matter because never had to worry about having a flat tire. I could I would pedal it and I would hear the pedal scrape against the the chain guard. Hink, hink, hink. <laughs> you could hear me coming from a mile away. I had the training wheels on it. But I loved the bike. And I would beat it up and do what I do. And then Christmas came and Santa Claus brought a new bike. Radial flyer. Big fender. Cool fender too. Banana seat, if you remember those. Had a flag on the back of it. That was cool then. And to have that long flag with the, like they use on the dune buggies now. And I love that bike. No training wheels on this one. And I took care of it. And I washed it and I polished it. Because we cherish that bike, we cherish a gift. And that's what you do when you have something special, right? Our, our things get bigger as we grow older. Maybe it's your Jeep, your truck, your car. But we remember that special one, the first one, or the one of them, no matter where it is along the way, the one that you've always wanted, you finally get. See, that's what's amazing is that's what we were given. We were given that perfect gift. 
And yet, it's not sinking in. We're not seeing the passion to take care of it. We're not seeing the passion to learn it and use it. Instead, if you tell, if you tell somebody, you say, Christ says we can do greater works than he. People make snark comments like, that's, well, that's not what he meant. Or he's speaking in metaphor. Or he's speaking in parable. That's not what he was saying at all, in fact. Those are red-letter languages. We can do greater works than he. People don't want to believe it. Do you realize the magnitude of that statement? In the context of that statement, we can raise the dead. We can we wield the power of life and death with the sword of the spirit. See, that's where Christ is so profound as a, as a warrior. That he didn't need the sword of steel because in the way that he walked with the sword of spirit, he wielded it with the power of life and death. And yet he didn't use it for death. That's what God's given us. Instead, it's more important to go around and make sure you have your new high-speed tights on or you, you got your new sliced-up jeans or make sure you got your tight body shirt on. And, you always, and please make sure you've got a, if you're on an outdoor festival, you've got a drink in your hand. What is this? Look at the artist's and they take, embrace their talent and those that squander it. Look at anybody who embraces their talent and gift and those that squander it. And there's a purity in life in which they live. They may not walk openly with Jesus, but they're going to resonate deeply with Christ at one level or another. So here we are in humanity is with this amazing gift that God gave us. And we're so consumed with ourselves that we're missing what God's done. Love thy neighbor like you would want to be loved. It's a profound, it's not a, it's not a unbelievable statement. It's a beautiful statement. And yet we still struggle to do it. And if we're going to talk back to that pew person, that one that wants to go to the pew and they'll talk to you about Christ, they'll lecture you about saying a cuss word. But how many of those took the vax? How many of those were obedient to shepherds that told them to inject themselves, don't show up to church, wear a mask, because we have to protect this whole thing and work together because we're all in this together. We're not. God didn't put us in this. So again, just some random thoughts as I reflect on where we are and watching people going about and not making the change. And there's tremendous change that we need to make as a society because I can't speak to a point where I can be confident that somehow we are going to come out of this okay I don't know that that's going to be the case at all. I think that people want to believe that, like everything else. They want to think that, we're oh, this is going to blow over. We don't fix this with political change. We fix this with our relationship with Jesus. We fix this with seeking an intimate relationship with Christ. We seek this 
by resetting our moral base. And that takes a lot of work. So I don't know, Patriots. I'm just, as I look across what I'm seeing here, I'm seeing a remnant that's digging in hard. And I guess this message is a lot towards that point. This one tonight is really directed at every one of us that's digging in to realize that what we're doing is we're joining the angels of heaven of trying to save humanity. And I say that because it's not going to get easier. The task on us are going to increase. The expectations on us will go higher. If you're looking for a vacation, don't. If you're looking for a pat on the back and a reward, you already got it. It was the sacrifice of Christ. If you're looking at this from a perspective of growing and getting stronger and becoming closer to God, that's a given. But if you're looking for that sort of job where you're going to get your name on a wall or on a plaque, you're in the wrong business. And yet it's the only way we can walk if we really think about it because our role is to serve Father the way he needs us to be, to serve and to follow that path obediently. Trusting in faith, not sight. So I want to step back just a minute and roll back to Monday of this week when I had dinner with Ted and Shemaine Nugent. And as I've told you, there's 12 Bibles that I carry. And I gave Ted a Bible, number five. Ted's a rock and roller, and Ted uses that F-bomb on stage. This year, he used it pretty prolifically as he described his feelings towards this sort of tyranny that's tearing up this land. And some people don't like that and they want to shut it off. But here's what's interesting. Because God wanted Ted to have a Bible. But don't misconstrue this statement. God didn't ask me to deliver Ted a Bible because Ted needed some Jesus. Everyone needs more Jesus. But what God put on my heart was deliver Ted a Bible so that he would have more tools and more arrows in his quiver to continue what he was doing for the fight. I say that because Ted's a good example of not fitting the mold of what we would expect or many would want to think that God would choose. But God is calling those who will listen and those who will stand in the gap. And if you're not willing to stand in the gap right now, I'm not going to tell you that God isn't hearing you or paying attention to you, but what I will say is you will be passed over. God is listening, watching, speaking, waiting for those that are willing to stand in the gap at a critical time. And that's where we sit right now, is a place where we have a choice 
and that choice is before us of how we want to live and how we want to choose and the path we want to take. The temptations are all around us, and Satan's put on many of them with landmines stuck every which way. And it's not easy walking this path, as you well know. But if you're listening and you're standing in the gap and God begins to move with you and work with you in big ways, I think what's amazing is is to to understand that it's not because God is looking at you as some sort of unique and special operations person or whatever. But what God is smiling at is that you listened and were willing. And that's the most important thing. You see, it's a pretty egalitarian offer in that sense. If you listen and stand, God's there. But what's not egalitarian is people. So there's a lot of people out here that are being called, but they're refusing to hear or they just turn it off. It's far more important to follow their way. And I think that's the beauty of the whole thing is that right now there's an incredible transformation happening in the where the message is coming from. Who's listening? Who's standing? And what that new landscape looks like. We don't look within the walls of the churches and expect to find much of it. Look outside, and you'll find it with the imperfects. The imperfects that God is calling, because here's the beautiful thing about imperfects, is when you learn about being imperfect, and you've stumbled and you crash your face into the floor or the wall, and you do that once or twice in your life, you now have a greater understanding into what the real world is like versus those that live in a bubble and try to believe or imagine that they can overcome a world that they know nothing about. There is, in a sense, an anointing to those that are imperfect in this time to raise the message and love of Jesus, to talk the word of God, and to spread it to the land with teeth and salt and grit because You've been down a rougher path. James 1, 5 to 8. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea and tossed by the wind. For the person ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. The imperfects learn not to be double-minded. They learn to be focused on the one place that they know will keep them alive, safe, and well. That's the word of God. But there's many out there wandering that want or choose to be of double mind. They're walking about trying to appease the religion of me 
while looking at the other side of God, at God and saying, mm, maybe, as long as you serve me. We can't, we can't do this. As a world, we know where we have to be, and I don't know what that looks like in terms of numbers or people or whatever. I just know that there is a profound moment in our time that that voice of those that are seeking God, being obedient to God and his will of where he wants us to be and being willing, not just obedient, being, but being willing to stand in the gap. That's what God's calling. That's what God needs. And that means we're changing a world through him no matter how many or how few there are of us. That's our quest, our fight, our great journey on this face of this earth. And it's a profound journey indeed. I feel sorry for the many that can't see it. And even darker to that is those that refuse or don't want to hear it. And so we go back to Noah. And we like to tell ourselves that everything's going to be okay, that there's healing in the midst of things. See, I don't know what happens to all the souls that get crushed by the floods in Noah. We can, some people will say, well, they went to the lake of fire, and others, I don't know. What happens to all the souls that took the vax, many of who were manipulated by a system, but they ultimately chose fear over faith? Again, I don't know. But I do know at least in my heart, this. Heaven is wearing of the stupidity of humanity. And the patience of God now is being tried. He's given unbelievable latitudes. And he too is wearing of the refusal of people to wake up and to put, his, put eyes on him. We need to continue to be as vigilant and diligent in our task of getting people to put their eyes on him first. Because there is a wrath coming. There is a consequence for not living that way. And we're at the end of the era of patience, in my opinion. And the hand of God is wielding the sword of spirit with the precision of one master who uses the sword of steel. And as it strikes the earth, it will shake the earth. And those who have not kept their eyes on Christ will begin to wonder and question and shake in terror without knowing why other than they must because the world is being turned on its head. It's the only way God will wake them up. And the only way they'll find Christ besides an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus, the next place to that would be a church, but they're gone, and that means that duty refalls upon us. So never, give, never question the importance of why God has you here. You've listened. You've stood in the gap, and God loves you for that. He loves us all. But he loves you for that, and he needs us now more than ever. Because this war is very real. There's going to be many that are lost. And he needs the warriors that will stand and listen. 
to carry that fight and that banner of Christ onto the battlefield of this war. Let's pray. Father, our eyes are on you. Our ears are hearing you. And all the wisdom that you share is pouring down upon us like oils of the anointed. Father, we humble ourselves before you knowing that a nation wanders and casts casts you out of their heart thinking that the world revolves around them and somehow thinking that that world is better, superior, more challenging, more adventurous than any world that you would create. We know that to be false. We know that not to be true. And yet that lie persists at the hand of Satan and those of a weak and willful heart to hear such a message. So tonight we pray for the strength of the remnant not to be anything other than the light in which others can see to be moved and be drawn to to shake them from their slumber. Let each member of the remnant seek, find, and feel the experience of a two-way breathing relationship with Jesus. And when we carry the light that Jesus brings in such a profound way that when people see us, rather they see him through us. Guide us in these times. Protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So some reflective thoughts tonight, things to look at. A world that is still very much away from God. A world that is still very much wandering and meandering through the deserts of soullessness and godlessness. May our prayers continue to follow them, pray for them. And may we continue to stand in the gap to be the the ones that God needs at a critical hour. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow. Actually, no, I'll see you Sunday for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through. Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to the level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now We're on the edge of a moment And out of our head Now we're diving in The light up our head We're running to Stay a while and 